Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate, and commercially surfable wave pools are opening around the world. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My name is Nick Robinson, and through my guests, we take a detailed look at this fascinating new game. Check us out on wavepoolmag.com. For your curiosity and stuff. Welcome to episode 12 of the Wavepool Mag podcast. And this week we have Shane Beshin. If any of you heard of Shane Beshin, he was the world number two in 1996. And he's the only pro surfer in history to score a perfect 30 during a heat. Now, how on earth can you get 30 points in a heat? Well, they, they used to have a different scoring system, um, the best three waves back in those days. And obviously now they've only got two. So I think in twenty in 2005, Kelly Slater became the first surfer ever to score a perfect 20. But before then, obviously, it was Shane Beshin. So now Shane's been working a lot with um, in coaching after he finished his professional career. And also he's been involved with City Wave, which is an exciting version of the Flowrider, which is much deeper. So you can actually get real fins in and surf with real surfboards. A lot of them around Europe and, and quite a few in um and I think there are a couple in the United States of America. I'm not sure. Shane is also involved in desert surf down in Coachella Valley. And we get to hear all about that in this week's episode of Wave Pool Mag. So sit back, relax, and chill out with Shane Beshin. All right, let's do it. So it's obviously morning in Hawaii. I can hear some cocks crowing in the background. Yeah, we got, we got some roosters multiplying over here on the North Shore. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Shane, thanks so much for coming on to the Wavepool Mag podcast and uh, and coming along to chat with us. Yeah, no worries. So where are you? You're in Hawaii right now, right on the North Shore. Yep, we're on the That's North cool. Shore. <laughs> we're just a stone's throw away from Pipe. Yeah, yeah, just right across from Rocky Point and down the street from Pipeline. <laughs> Excellent. Is that, is, that where, is that where you live full time? Yeah, I've been living here for about 25 years. Oh wow! Yeah, it's incredible. Okay. And um, you grew up in, in California, right? Was it uh, as good growing up there as Hollywood portrays it? Um, yeah, I mean, when I grew up, I grew up in San Clemente, California. And uh, it was a really cool place to grow up. It was like a small beach town in Southern California. And yeah, just a real tight little surf community. And yeah, it was, it was a great childhood. It seems like it's still got a core crew of top surfers today like with Kolohe and Dino Griffin Colapinto, Cade Matson, and all those guys was it like that back in the 80s and 90s oh yeah I mean for some reason San Clemente was like just filled with really talented people and surfers and uh, when I was growing up it was you know Dino and Dino Chloe's dad uh, Matt Archibald, the Fletchers Jim Hogan, Mike Parsons McNulty's like the list just went on and on of you know just how many good surfers there were in this little town yeah so was that where you first learned to surf was that where you first paddled out yep yeah and those and and so how did you get to hanging with those guys were you just uh, competing with them or um basically it was just you know in San Clemente it was so small that everyone would surf kind of the same spot and I grew up like right next to T Street which is like a main kind of surfing spot that everyone practiced at. So I would just, you know, I was, they were a little older than me. So I was just a grom and I would just be out there every day and just soaking it up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sounds incredible. But let's like let's jump to um to your perfect thirty at Kira in Australia during the Billabong Pro back in ninety six. How could that even happen? Because obviously today you can't get thirty points in a heat. Yeah, well back then though it was best three waves. The the contests were the uh, the contests were judged on best three waves instead of best two. So that was basically how the best the top thirty came. And I think a few years after they switched it to top two waves to try to make it more on performance instead of wave catching. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll probably hopefully never happen again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how were those three tens? I mean, can, you can still remember them to this day. Um, kind of. Not really. That was a long time ago. And I've gotten a lot of barrels since. But, uh, no, it was, a, it was a definitely a cool moment in my career. And, um, yeah, it's just something special, unique to have, you know, in the resume from being a professional surfer. Yeah, absolutely. And and was Kelly Slater surfing around then? And because um, he probably started more or less that time as well, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, Kelly was on tour before me. Uh, he was like he was on tour a year or two before I was, and for me at that time it was cool because he held the record for the highest heat score in a heat, which was had two tens and a nine or something so at that time it was really fun to beat his record and kind of just get that notch on him (laughs) (laughs) and was it you know obviously the media likes to invent a lot of stuff was that a a real rivalry was it just something manufactured by the by the tv guys um no yeah i would say it was definitely a real rivalry uh started when we were like 11 so it was a long going rivalry where in the US championships and nationals when we were amateurs, we were always getting, well, he was always getting first and I was always getting second. And uh, yeah, it just carried into professionalism. So yeah, it was definitely a long, you know, drawn out rivalry. And what's it like today? Do you still hang out with Kelly? And- um, I don't hang out with him too much, but we're, it's, we're totally cool. I seen him surfing the other day and I actually, worked on them last year before the tour started i do this uh body work called wing work and uh yeah so i worked on him actually before the gold coast last year and now it's all good (laughs) cool so but obviously as your professional career on tour was winding down what did you think about the future because people must be thinking okay well you know professional surfing is coming to a close what are you going to do afterwards yeah, um, well, for me, I uh, I was always had like an entrepreneurial kind of itch in my system, and I started a company called Monument Clothing as my kind of career was winding down, and uh, that like taught me a lot as far as just building a brand and uh, just kind of creating connections and dealing with accounts and team writers and creating graphic artists, like graphic, you know, ads and all this stuff. So it was, it was really cool learning experience. And, and then that kind of led into me teaming up with Red Bull and, and starting to do like performance coaching for the surf team. 
which I've been okay. doing for like 10 years now. So, um, yeah, no, it's a definitely a, it's definitely an interesting time retiring from being a professional because you're living in such a way that's so high energy and, um, I've actually done, and just recently I've seen research that they compare it to like PTSD almost, you know, where you're used to this kind of crazy life, then you come off of it and, you know, there's there's a transition stage for sure, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a real thing, you know, of like, okay, what do I do now, like, kind of reshuffling your whole idea of yourself because you've always seen yourself as this professional athlete and now you're not and uh it's definitely a big ego death that happens in that process of just kind of letting go of the perception of who you thought you were and just kind of changing into something else and um and coaching didn't really satisfy that that I mean, obviously you were still in in touch with surfers, and you were still in touch with pro surfers. But um, the coaching must have kept you. But obviously, it's a totally different feel, right? Yeah, the coaching was really cool. Um, it was definitely a cool outlet, you know, to share everything that you've learned and and watch it get put into effect, you know, by the athletes. Like I worked with Chris Amore a lot, you know. Uh, about five, six, seven years ago when she was winning like her three world titles. And that was really cool. I spent a lot of time with her, like teaching her how to tube ride and do aerials and just all these little intricacies of surfing and technique and, uh, you know, watching that information be transformed into success and world titles. It's, it's kind of like you get a little piece of that too, you know, just by being involved. Yeah, it must be really satisfying. And then to see her get another world title this year. Really yeah, amazing. yeah, that was really cool. Um, I think she's taking a year off, actually. She she said she was going to take a year off just to chill and, and think about things, which is quite an interesting move. Huh? Yeah, no, it's funny. I've actually been, I've talked to her about that in the past. And uh, I think it's good, you know, like she's still so young. I think she's like 26 or something, you know, so... Um, a career lasts so much longer now than in the past so she could i'm sure she'd get a wild card back onto the ct you know like next year or whatever if, if she wants to go back just just by being a four-time world champ so um, i don't think she'd have to like re-qualify through the qs but um no i think it's good you know it's it's good to take a break and then come back refreshed and with a new purpose yeah, because like, like you were saying, I mean, it must be intense on tour. It must be really intense and difficult to focus about anything else. So it's just constant 24-hour days co uh, just focusing on the tour. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely intense and it's just nonstop traveling and nonstop winning, nonstop losing. You know, it's just mm -hmm. crazy peaks and valleys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of energy and um, focus, determination. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's definitely an... It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a random question for you. Do you I, I think I saw somewhere that you were talking about Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you rate him as a coach? For me, yeah. 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 Um, when I started, actually, when I started getting into the wave pool industry, um, we're working with City Wave. It's the standing wave out of Munich. 
and we had some opportunities here that we were working on um, creating some venues in America. And I was just really getting into research of marketing and stuff. And I came across uh, Gary Vee's content. And I was just, at first, I was just kind of like, who, who the hell is this guy, you know? And, and then um, the more I started listening to the, everything he'd be talking about, um, the more I started understanding, like, how much sense he made. And, yeah, like, honestly, I implemented my whole tutorial thing that I've been doing for like the last I'd say almost two years now and uh, really like kind of took a lot of what he says like and created a playbook from it and, and did it and yeah it definitely worked is that an online video series yeah well just just on Instagram but uh, it's it, it's really interesting because it's created opportunities outside of Instagram is for like coaching and retreats and like in May I'm going to be doing some like kind of surf technique wellness retreats in the Mentawise at like uh, Macaroni's Resort and HT's Resort and and then just you know other opportunities of you know speaking at like Surf Park Summit or speaking at a I'm going to, I think, Lithuania this summer to do like a, a keynote on surfing for like the whole, like all the nation, all the countries that surround the Arctic Sea and stuff. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think Gary Vee's insane, you know, like it's, it's, it's really cool. One of the things that resonated me, resonated the most with me that he said was that, um, Well, for me, like I had two sons, so I always kept my information really tight and only gave it to them, you know, it's just my competitiveness. And he was he would always say like why he puts out the most value and the most content is is because although everyone loves it, only one percent of people will actually execute on it, you know, and and then uh it just resonated with me and kind of made me start doing the tutorials and start just really like giving out all the information that I have for free and yeah because I looked on your Instagram and some really in-depth tips that you're giving to guys asking about certain moves which is awesome yeah yeah and, and that that in its sense has been really cool it's just like you know sitting at home doing Instagram tutorials and then you know I was working in France this year and like I have French guys like thanking me for the tutorials and stuff. So I was like, oh, cool, you know. Like, <laughs> That's really rewarding. Though, yeah, right? it's actually been really cool because I've gotten a lot of messages from just random surfers all over the world saying how they're surfing better and they're psyched and, you know, they're having fun. So Awesome. Well, I think I'm going to try out a quad because of your recent Instagram post. Yeah, <laughs> the quads are good. But, um, yeah, let's get into, because uh, obviously you mentioned City Wave. Um, how did that start up and how did you get involved in City Waves? And also, sort of two-part question, can we give a little bit of a difference for those guys who don't know what the difference is between Flowrider, City Wave, and um, Surfstream? So the City Wave is a deep water standing wave. It's basically like a river wave. And a friend of mine had a connection with them And we basically went to Munich one year to check it out. 
And when I got there, I, I saw like the potential of it as far as being a surfable wave with a real surfboard. And that's the difference actually, to come back to your question, the difference between the city wave and the flow rider is you can ride a real surfboard on a city wave. And a flow rider, you're riding kind of like a, like a skateboard, skimboard, boogie board thing. So um, it's kind of like a separate sport than surfing, you know, where you're learning how to like skimboard instead of surf. Whereas a city wave, you can bring your small wave board and, and ride that on the wave. Okay, and surf stream is it the same thing as and sea wave? surf stream? I haven't really, I haven't really seen the surf stream product to tell you the truth. I, I haven't like seen too much video of it. Is that the one in uh, Canada? I don't know. I think yeah. I think it's the one in Montreal. It's American yeah. wave machines. That been, one's. Yeah. I think that one's kind of like in between the city wave and the flow rider. It looks like it has a bit more water on it, where guys are maybe riding like really small fins but um yeah i think just the city wave has the advantage of just being deeper so you can have like real fins and real surfboards mm-hmm. so um anyways yeah we went there checked it out met with rainer and and the team at city wave and just kind of started building a relationship with them and we went to munich like maybe four or five years in a row and really kind of help bring some energy to the event that they had in the Munich airport. They would basically set up a portable city wave and in between the two terminals, there's this like huge plaza in Munich airport. It was really cool. And I, I'd bring my kids and, and that was really what kind of activated my thought of like really getting involved was just the fact that my kids were born and raised in the North shore of Hawaii and they loved going to Munich and surfing the city wave for a week, you know, and and uh, just seeing that made me realize, like, wow, if, if they like surfing it, you know, like, I'm sure kids all over the world would be psyched on surfing it because, you know, most places have way worse waves than us. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a, I mean, the amount of, like, turns you get in a session and, like, it's like a really actually a good workout too because you're just getting nonstop turns you know like your legs just get really sore surfing that and does it feel like surfing yeah you know i mean it's it's definitely a little different in the way that it's a river wave but once you get used to the nature of the wave and you start doing turns then your turns are turns you know and you're still doing a big carve or cutback or slide tail or whatever you know so because I went on a flow rider and it was like nothing like the ocean at all. Yeah. Um, flow rider was like totally different. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I was talking about too, where it's... So the city wave is a slow... The water's moving slower, but it's deeper. And then the flow rider, the water's way shallower and moving way faster. So it's more like a like a sheet wave, you know? It's like... So yeah, it's, like it's definitely... Yeah, it's definitely a different feeling. And... Um, yeah, I just saw the value in it, and we got involved, and actually met my partner, Matt Ruzica there. He works for CEM Aquatics, so he was there checking out the City Wave because his the company he works with, like, they build water parks and do all this stuff, you know, like in the aquatic world, and yeah, we met Matt, and got along really good he had didn't know anything about surfing you know and uh now we're like really good friends and we've been partners for 
don't know, five, six, seven years. Oh, excellent. So have you got a couple of CityWave franchises, or, or what role do you have there? Well, <clears throat> basically, it's myself, Matt Ruzica, my partner, and John Leff. And we basically all just work together on, on putting deals together in America for CityWave. And it's definitely taken a long time. That's one thing I've learned about the wave pool industry is that everything takes way longer than what you think, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that's back to the Gary V thing of imploring a lot of patience. <laughs> so it's been a, definitely a long road. And um, we have we have one project that we're working on getting like over the line and completely green lighted right now, which will be incredible. I can't really talk about it yet until it's um, like, absolutely 100% ready to go but that should be happening in the next two months and I'm really excited to get this one legit and green lighted and moving forward and then that would be like the first real project for us in America and I think from there awesome. it'll, it'll definitely help uh, create more opportunities once people see the venue and, and kind of what can be done. Because it sounds like it should be a lot easier to implement a city wave than a wave garden cove, for example. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's that was the that was the mindset too, as far as being able to penetrate like you know dense suburban areas because a city wave venue maybe could be situated on like a half an acre or an acre of land at the at the most and. Um, you know, the way all the other paddling technologies is like much more land, much more building costs, running costs, all that. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good product for dense areas where there's not a lot of space available. But obviously you see city waves running in tandem with, with other bigger operations like um, Wave Garden Cove or American Wave Machines or Surflex or something like that. Yeah, I think in the future that that would definitely be, you know, like if there's like a some surf park resort where they have different wave technologies, I think that's totally viable and would make sense in certain situations. So obviously you're a sucker for punishment because you're involved in desert surf as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's another massive project. But that seems to be going really, really fast from that from from what where we see it here at Waypool Mac. Yeah. How, how is that going and, and what's your involvement there? Um right now, well John Laff, my partner that works with Cityway with me, he's deeply involved in desert surf. And so he brought me on as a consultant right now. So I've been um just kind of creating like all these like marketing and brand strategies and they and at that venue they want to have like a performance center and stuff and so I'm going to be probably involved in helping them like design like a performance center that will be really cool for surfers to have fun work out um, increase their skill set uh, you know all within the center that they, then they can take to the water right there and uh no, that project's going really good. They've they've actually been green lighted through the city, and they're working on um, construction drawings and permits right now. So, yeah, that that one's been going really smoothly, actually. Well, how did you feel when you saw those first renderings rolling out of the architect's office? 
I think they're they're looking good. Yeah, no, it looks incredible. You know, and I think this will be like one of the first more like resort style surf parks. You know, where it's kind of encompasses everything into one area. You know, they have the golf course, they'll have a performance center, spa, hotel, wave like wave pool, and um, it'll be you know definitely a really cool uh, family vacation. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because if you look at um, Snowdonia in Wales, they're sort of phasing in a hotel right now. And then Bristol's obviously phasing in a hotel a little bit later or, or glamping units. And then Urban Surf down in Melbourne is just not doing anything because they've got hotels right around there. So you're right. I suppose it'll probably be the first proper surf resort. Yeah, well, definitely in America, you know. So I, right now they're just starting to... I mean, you have Inland, which is in re kind of construction phase new owners i guess wsl bought that and um then you have waco and they actually waco's putting a hotel there too now they have like a little kind of more smaller boutique hotel so yeah you know i think um people ask me about it all the time you know how do you see the wave pool industry and stuff and i i honestly truly believe it's like the first time's people put ski lifts on mountains you know it was just kind of like what and and then now like the ski resort industry is this massive industry so i think it has the potential for that yeah i mean we're not even limited to mountains either so i mean you can just put them anywhere yeah and yeah you're way less dependent on weather you know like with the ski resort they're always waiting for snow and it's only kind of a six-month window whereas if you pick locations that aren't too uh, that don't have too extreme a weather, then you can just be running year round and kind of mm-hmm. create that same family action entertainment venue. And with, because um, obviously you guys have chosen Wave Garden for um, the technology as a partner, um, why not American Wave Machines or somebody else? Um, I wasn't really involved. In that choice, that was kind of decided without me. So I don't really have the answer on why they chose the Cove. But right now, I think um, Wave Garden's probably doing the best job as far as um, customer service and creating a a protocol for people to get waves and, and use their technology. And probably... You know, and then the Cove wave looks fun too. You know, I think you know they they're putting out a lot of waves per minute, and I'm not sure about their electrical running costs on you know how the, how efficient they're running their machines. But um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. You know, like I've I haven't surfed the Cove wave actually. That's one of the only wave pools that I haven't tried yet. Okay, so you've done Kelly's and and BSR down in Waco. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that? How were they? They were cool. I mean, Kelly's wave is really cool. It's it's crazy long. Like it's just it's a massive thing when you see it in real life. Like you really can't even watch people surf from the land. <laughs> it's just you, so you, can, you can only watch for like ten seconds, and then you're looking at the back of the wave for another minute or whatever. So. Um, the, the downside to that is just the one wave every four minutes, you know, it just kind of creates this 
anxiety amongst everybody <clears throat> because you only get so many waves and it's kind of like a lot of pressure surfing the Slater wave because like I said there's only a few opportunities to get waves and then you don't want to blow the wave that you get and and then the four minutes in between it gives you that time to like you know think about not blowing it and <laughs> so it, I don't know it's an interesting uh, thing with the Slater wave you know it's a um, really incredible wave obviously super fun and like you can get like some sick little barrels and but then just the anxiety part of it is really interesting where it's just almost like not enough. <laughs> at the Freshwater Pro, you can see them zooming in. And, and I remember looking at Coco Ho as she was waiting for her wave and just sort of tension on the face of everybody, not just Coco Ho. Yeah. But, um, people talk about that wave because it's because it's it's being pulled through the through the water like by a plow that it's actually trying to push you off the back of the wave. Do you ever feel that it's not it's not arching around like a bowl? Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, every wave is, um, you kind of have to learn how to surf it, just like, you know, in the ocean, where you you go to a different surf spot, and you have to figure out the intricacies of, you know, where the wave breaks, is it reef, beach break, and so all these wave, different wave pools have, um, yeah, different natures to them, and the Slater wave definitely has a certain nature to it, where there's this kind of sweet spot on the wave and if you're not in that sweet spot then you can either get caught behind really quickly or you can be out on the face and not really feel too much of the power you know and it's like you're kind of surfing the sled that's that's moving and if you get too far on one side of that sled then it's not very ideal so um yeah and then then waco is Waco is really fun, you know, but then, you know, the way they do it, you're so close to the wall and they do the three sets that when you're first, when you're first there, you have to be really fast and quick on your feet, you know, so I could see how uh, some like intermediate surfers might not like Waco as much because like even like me and my kids were like missing waves, like when we first did our first sessions, just because it was like boom 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 three in a row and just popping up right on the wall and it's just kind of like this like scattered <laughs> like where are we and, and then you know just a quick takeoff but um no i think it's cool to have all these different technologies and um, and there's more in the way as well i mean there's lots of guys who approach us all the time saying hey we've got this new idea it's much more efficient they're much bigger waves and us but obviously none of them have been proven yet like like the current guys but as a coach, you must be going crazy about the opportunities for competitive surfers to accelerate their learning in a pool. Are there any drawbacks to, to pool surfing and, and training in a pool? Um, I don't think so, really. I mean, I mean, if you only surf in a pool, then there's definitely drawbacks of not understanding the ocean. If you want to translate that skill in, into the ocean, you definitely have to do both. But for for people that already are you know adequate ocean surfers i think the amount of reps you can get in a pool are incredible especially at like a place like waco i think waco's definitely already helped like aerial surfing and surf you know like in the sport because like a lot more backflips have been done now and I like there's been more creative aerials coming out of waco just because they get that ramp every time and 
and the amount of attempts you can get in an hour at Waco may be equivalent to like a year of surfing in the ocean just because you don't always get good air sections in the ocean and the conditions have to be a certain way the wind has to be a certain way and and even if it is good for airs you may not be getting the waves that are good for them you know so um the amount of just direct attempts you get is incredible and i definitely think it's that's already helped the performance side of surfing. Yeah, I think I saw Carissa Moore headed down to Waco for a session yeah. know, a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah I actually did yeah. one with her last year. And uh, yeah, it went really good. She stuck a bunch of Air 360s and grabs, no grabs. And yeah, no, it's, and we were only there for a couple of days. Wow. So obviously the girls can do this kind of stuff. They can do aerials, but they don't seem to do it in competitions. I mean, I think this year only, I mean, I may be, I may be wrong because I haven't seen every single heat, but um, I'm sure it was at Huntington Beach, I think, um, Courtney Conrad did a, an aerial Yeah. And there didn't seem to be too many aerials. I mean, that was awesome. It was really cool. It's like pulled it out at the last minute, but uh, the girls aren't seem to doing aerials as much as the guys. Why do you reckon that is? Um, I think it's just, you know, they're learning, they're learning it later, you know, like I think the guys have just been doing, traditionally they've been doing airs for just way longer, you know, the, this generation of girls is just kind of starting to do them, like Carissa, Lakey, Courtney, um, but then the next generation of girls I think will be doing them. I'm working with some young girls right now that are really good and, um, yeah, I think there'll be a whole generation of girls coming up that will be doing airs. And obviously wave pools will help accelerate that. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Well, these young girls are already going to Waco and learning how to do airs, and, and that's going to help them when they get to the ocean for sure. Yeah. I was interviewing um, Greg Weber some time ago, and uh, and he suggested that... Um, have you met Greg, by the way? Yeah. Uh, uh, he's a really cool guy he suggested that there'll be an oversupply of surf in the near future due to wave pools and artificial reefs do you do you agree with that an oversupply yeah like just so many waves that we can't even begin to surf them it's just because uh. he's got this really cool thing about artificial reefs which looks on paper looks awesome but um it's obviously going to be something else in practice. Yeah. No, I mean, if there's some eco-artificial reefs, I think that would be insane, you know, because then you're creating wave pools in the ocean and potentially, you know, helping the ocean in the fact of, like, creating places where fish and kelp and things to flourish. So I haven't seen uh, any material on that, but I definitely think it'd be a, a really cool thing to do. And there's definitely a lot of coastline with bad waves where they could put a reef and have a, a great waves you know so yeah i can think of a lot of places right around here yeah it's just bad waves and there's sort of so that. much opportunity for that and i think that's another idea that would be great but i don't know man there's so many surfers out there just frothing to catch waves these days so i think the more waves the better because if everyone's surfing getting the waves they want then the world's going to be a happier place <laughs> yeah absolutely there'll be less tension in the lineup yeah but obviously so the growth of surfing is kind of like a double-edged sword on the one hand you've got more opportunities for people to work passionately in the space that they love and on the other hand you've got more kooks polluting the brakes so how do you feel about the growth of surfing because you've obviously been there from 
a lot earlier on than everyone else. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a it's a double edged sword, but I see it both ways. You know, I see, I just see if there's more waves, there's going to be more people riding. You know, like ocean surfers will be catching waves in wave pools, wave pools surfers. I almost feel like it could maybe, in a way, like spread everyone out enough to where to where maybe the lineups aren't that as crowded maybe in a way just just because there's so many different options for people it's kind of like on the north shore when we have a certain type of swell um there's so many spots that are good you know that the crowds kind of become less but you know what i mean like so if there's only one spot that's good everyone's going to be there like say lowers (laughs) In, in california you know it's just freaking packed every day and i've seen the videos it's nuts and uh you know if there's three of those spots then the crowd would be you know logically a third less you know because people are just going if they can surf a a similar wave that's just as good with less people they're going to do it so i don't know you know i think uh time will tell on that but um yeah, we'll just have to yeah, because without doubt, I mean, surfing is growing I mean, it's getting more popular and it's apparently growing by 20% per year, according to the stats. Wow. Which, are, yeah, and they reckon there's between 17 and 35 million surfers in the world today. I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to get these stats. So they're very, obviously, that's a massive range. Yeah. <laughs> but, and if they're growing by, I reckon, between 15 and 20% a year, I mean, that's, that's radical. I yeah. Mean, and I can see it. I can see it here in Portugal. It's just more and more people in the water every day, more people wanting to go to surf, more people learning. So it's getting pretty crowded out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think wave pools will help that, you know, like once they're, once the waves are just decent and then there's wave pool options nearby, that's going to, that's going to take some people out of the lineup for sure, I think. Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> good. Well, Shane, thanks so much for spending the time with us and, and good luck with City Wave and, and Desert Surf and all your projects. It's really, really awesome to chat to you. Yeah, good catching up. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up again as things progress. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love to do a, a reboot and maybe get like all the other guys on as well and we could have like a whole big chat. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really uh, it's an exciting time for the industry. And I, I, I truly believe like, um, this wave pool industry, surf park, surf resort industry is going to bring a lot of opportunity to the surf industry, which it needs really bad right now because um, all the companies have been bought by these corporations that don't really care about surfing. And uh, it's really an interesting juxtapose right now in, in how the industry is doing compared to how big the sport is. And uh, I think like these surf resorts and wave pools and surf parks are going to help the actual economy side of the surf industry as well and creating jobs, opportunities um, for, for people to, you know, say uh, CEOs, even marketing directors working at resorts instead of uh, clothing companies and stuff like that. So I think there's going to open up a lot of opportunity and kind of, inject some energy and money and back into the sport yeah and also because of of golf seems to be on the decline and as as from from a leisure industry perspective you know this is a much more attractive option and it's a new thing and a lot of people are coming up so 
um yeah i think it's exciting times it really is exciting times and and i'm you know it's, it's brilliant because speaking to people all around the world about wave pools and it's uh, it's exciting to see how many there are under you know how many projects there are going up yeah so yeah all right <laughs> Well, huge thanks to Shane Bishon for spending the time with us and telling us all about his projects and uh, some of his past stories. It uh, sounds like an amazing life, and being able to live in Hawaii and surf every day sounds rather incredible. As always, you can see the show notes on wavepoolmag.com forward slash podcast, and you can listen to our podcast on all kinds of podcatchers on Apple iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, um, Google Podcasts. Actually, we're struggling with Google Podcasts, trying to get that on. So if any of you guys out there know how to get that on, it'd be great because it's a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, there are lots of other podcast catches on Android, like Stitcher and Spotify is a great place to listen to podcasts. So get in there, listen up, subscribe. And if you like it, leave us a comment, send us a message or email us something, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. And any suggestions on people to interview, go ahead and send me an email to nick.wavepoolmag at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Wave Mag. For your curiosity and stoke.